Good news, everybody. Is it good news? Yeah. Last night, I went on a bender, Spencer. Okay. A fucking bender. A writing bender. All right. Got about over 1,500 words done and finished the first draft of that fucking story that's been taking me forever to finish. Nice. And it has come out to a little over 15,000 words. Once I do some editing and, you know, the rewrites, but mainly like the last arc, the last, uh, you know, where the climax is and stuff. Once I rewrite that, it might be a little longer, might be shorter. I'm not sure yet, but I'm very happy because I got this goddamn albatross from around my neck. <laughs> and now I can go on to the next story I got to write. Or do the edits on that story. No, I'm going to wait for a little bit. I want to be away from that story for a few days, <laughs> or maybe a week. Um, also, unless you got news. Not particularly, no. Okie dokie, that's the end of the podcast. See you later. No, I um had some quality reading this week. I guess that's how I could say that. I had some great reading time this week. I did a lot of reading. All right. So you did a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Yes. Productive? Is that the word you I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What I that, was productive. I, I, I don't know what that is, so I wouldn't. I wrote a bunch of stuff on the board. Oh, so that's wow. usually when I know I've been doing stuff. Because not only that, I did a bunch of editing uh, and reading and stuff for the submissions and, and for and the so Halloween you, stuff. You told me the other day you were how to do a lot of the submissions. Yeah, I started the, some of the stories on that. And no, uh, was that the quality reading? No. Uh-huh. Um, going back to the quality reading. Monday night, I, f- I actually stayed up too late because I finished Revival by Stephen King. Because when you get to the end of that fucking yeah. book, you can't stop reading. Nope. Nope. And that was really good. That, I gave that a five out of five whiskey shots. That was one of That's my favorite Stephen right? King stories. It's really good, right? And the ending was so bleak and fucked up. I think that's got to be the most fucked up ending he's had in anything. Because, like, if you really think about it, we'll talk off air so I don't have to give yeah. anything away. But if you really think about it, that's like the worst, th- almost the worst thing that can happen to everybody in the whole universe, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, at least in, on Earth. Uh, it's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft vibes. I loved it. Uh, you loved it. We all love it. It's very good. I told Ash to read it because he, I think, he actually bailed on that post, uh, post-mortal by Drew McGarry. Oh, yeah. Turns out that book was before the hike. All right. That was like his first book. And he says it, like, it wasn't like it was a bad book. It just, uh, like, nothing... There was, like, no point to anything. It just kept mm. going, so he uh, didn't enjoy that much, so he's been striking out a lot. Second thing I read, uh, because I didn't expect to get done with Revival so early, uh, and I was like, well, I still got a week before I have to read Blood Meridian, and I was like, maybe I'll knock out some short stories. Got a hold of a copy of The Forbidden, which is uh, Candyman by Clyde Barker. Like, oh, okay. The original Candyman story. Fucking weird, man, because it's pretty much Candyman. Like, it's in a project's. The Candyman is, like, for the most part, like, the movie, except it's in Liverpool, I believe, somewhere in England anyway, but I think it's Liverpool, in, like, a white people's projects, and Candyman's white, and he has, like, a coat that's, like, a multicolored patchwork and looks goofy, and it's just weird, because you're just like, huh, how did this guy become so cool? Because, while menacing and stuff, the original Candyman design is just not as cool, you know? Now, who did the movie? Clyde Barker was involved, and somebody else, they made some key changes and brought it to Chicago, the Cabrini Green, and, like, that project, and made it, like, a fucking cool story. Yeah. But it was just, like, a bunch of fucking, like, ghetto British white ladies <laughs> living in the projects, and I was just like, I don't want to believe this. 
It was the 80s as well. But I just thought that was funny. But that brings up, because I texted you to remind me of this, which you did, even though you thought it was French. Now, I don't know if this stands to this day. Like I said, that was written in the 80s. But apparently, because I had to look it up, because I, I thought something was askew. Like, I thought I was reading the word wrong, like it meant something else. Curb. Yeah. C-U-R-B in American English. British English, K-E-R-B. That's what it was in the book. And I was like, because somebody was standing on the curb. And I was like, what the fuck's a curb? And I was like, I know what a curb is. Yeah, but like, what is the like K-E-R-B? Yeah. Uh, and I looked it up and it said that's the British spelling of curb. I got pissed off for two fronts. One, the fuck. Hmm. Two, what, that's how it should be spelled. <laughs> it should be K-E-R-B. Yeah. It shouldn't be C-U-R-B. That's Serb, yeah. if anything. <laughs> well, I think uh, there's a there's quite a few things that over... Yeah, but usually it's yeah. like they add a like, color that has a U in it and like things like that. But that was like, you know, that's completely different. K-E-R-B. Not K-U-R-B. K-E-R-B. That sounds like a weird person's name or something. Yeah. So... I don't like that. That makes me feel weird because then I'm like, that's that's how you should spell curb, that, obviously. And then I was like, why is C even a letter? Other than maybe the C-H sound, do you need C's? No. They fuck everything up. Even my name, Caleb. It should be K-A-L-E-B, not C-A-L-E-B. Yeah, that's right. Caleb. <laughs> Fucking dumb. Stupid. Like, that's the only thing I couldn't think of that was like, like the word chance. How would you do the ch sound without a C? Like, that's the only thing. I could think of, unless you maybe threw like an X in and did, I don't know. But, um, I just, I don't think C's are necessary in modern times. Why don't we just get rid of them and make them K's? I think we should just start, start talking like Kevin from The Office and not use words so much. Waste much time. Why use lot word when few word do trick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did get him though, I think, at the end of that. They uh, found the confusion there. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird how he just started talking like that. But I think uh, at some point I'm going to go into Odyssey just to find all the differences between British English and American English. Because I know the grammar rules are different and the spelling obviously is different. But, like, I didn't know they could be that different. I didn't know we could have curb AK so wildly different. A K curb. Yeah, fucking weird, man. But then I was like, why do we spell it with C-U? Why, why is that a curb? Like, how is C-U-R-B curb? How well, is that a curb sound? Well, you know, because what always got me... In school was like whenever you know spelling they're like just spell it how it sounds like no fuck you bitch because if I spell it how it sounds yeah. it's completely different. Have you ever read the word orangutan? <laughs> it's orange tang or something like it's not right. <laughs> Stupid. I don't. I don't like it. As you heard, any of the listeners who have me uh, listen to me read different articles when various words pop up that I've never spoken out loud or at least read and spoken out yeah. loud. Uh, a lot of hilarity ensues sometimes. I'm getting a lot better at it, but when we first started, like them early episodes, like I was just I was botching everything, botching all the words. By the way, because you said French before we got on air, because you thought I was talking about a French word, which could be curb. I mean, why yeah. the fuck not? But le curb, le curb. Um, whenever French comes up on the podcast, I butcher it like no other. Two things I cannot pronounce at all because I've done zero studying on the language or anything, like. Greek word like Greek names and French words. Well, I feel like with French, you could even do a good job of of saying it, but they still be like, no, no, you no, gotta, no. you gotta, you gotta uh, say it with the throat. Le like, wrong. You're le wrong. But this is how you know it's le wrong. <laughs> Just the love yeah. sound. I don't think that's correct. But French, because it's a Latin-based romance language, it pisses me off 
because I'm good at Spanish. I can pronounce Italian words because it's close enough to Spanish. Yeah. Same with Portuguese. Fucking French, though, they got to say things weird. And then, like, I, I just, I'm, I'm a dumb when it comes to the French. Like, when uh, we had Ash from Eread This on here, uh, I didn't know, what's his name, Albert Camus? I never read his work. I didn't know he was French, so I said Camus. <laughs> Wrong. C-A-M-U-S. Clearly Camus in French. And I just and he corrected me, and I was like, oh, I feel like a jackass. Obviously, I still remember it. Like One of those dead, things like that will never leave my brain. Dumb American. Oh, Camus. But it's just like, why? It's Camus, man, or Camus. Like, that's, that's what it looks like. But I'm wrong. Camus, he lives out in the hills of, uh, of England. Which is like a double kick in the nuts because I can now pronounce like a lot of Jap- hard to pronounce Japanese words just by reading them, or even some Irish words, which are just nonsense. But then, like you know, French was just apparently an easy language to. I took one year of French in high school, and I remember it wasn't very difficult. I just didn't, you know, the school we went to they didn't really teach. Yeah, but it was uh. Like, I, I always worry, like, we go to Canada for a con or something in the future if the world's ever normal again. There's a lot of Frenchies up there. Mm-hmm. And I could just feel the beating eyes, their beady little French eyes. But they're also kind of Canadian, so maybe they won't be jerks. Like, I don't know. I've only had one week's worth of, uh, you know, meeting French Canadians, so I can't really judge them. But I, I still feel like that French part will pop through and they'll just hate our guts. Probably. But whatever. Yeah, we so, should be used to that by now. Yeah, but anyway, curb, we we spell it wrong in this country. I think you should try to start. Um, you should start spelling it with a K, and you know, and all your works and stuff just, like that, and just try to get it. You know, try to start that movement. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Aluminium too. That's another word that they pronounce right, we pronounce wrong. It's not aluminum because there's an I in there. It's alu aluminium, minium, not aluminum. There's an I, so why would we say aluminum? It's fucking dumb. But can you say aluminium without sounding stupid to yourself? No. Now, garage, I'll say that's dumb. It could be garage. It doesn't... Why garage? Nike? Okay, I'll give it to them on this one. Nike sounds stupid. Like, they pronounce it Nike. It sounds stupid, and it's like an American company, so if they want to pronounce it Nike, it's Nike, but we don't say bikey. Yeah. Say bike. Trike. Like, anything IKEs, there's no Ike. So that that's that's our bad. Um, Adidas, so that's that's a dumb one. Adidas, don't say Adidas. No. Um, I feel like we've done this before. I don't. We don't need to do this again. So anyway, folks, uh, stick around. We probably have a great episode for you. Do we have a topic? No. Yes. No. Yes. Probably not. Probably not. Spencer was supposed to buy some cords for the podcast, and he never did. So if the quality is down. The cords actually have no effect on the quality. It's just for your visual stimulation. Blame him. This is Big Daddy Caleb James here with the Drunk Pen Riding Podcast. We welcome you on this central night. My host, Spencer, my, my co-host, Spencer, the Beijing Banshee Church, he's here and he's feeling fly. What the fuck was, was that? that? was a banshee, like, but uh, I didn't want an ashy band, I didn't want to murder the poor folks, you know, eardrums. Well, you, sir, are very kind. We, I don't think we covered this before, but I had this on my phone forever because maybe we were going to cover it, 
or maybe we were just supposed to read some of these stories. I don't remember. This is by the Irish Times. Do you remember us ever covering anything from the Irish Times? I don't believe so. <laughs> but it also sounds like something we would cover, though. Yeah. Uh, it's classic horror, the ten most terrifying short stories ever written. I, no, none of these you, sound familiar. I say no, because if we did, it probably would have been recently because you've been on an Irish kick recently. Like, when was the last time you was on an Irish kick? Uh, yeah, but this isn't Irish stories. This is just horror stories by the Irish, Irish Times. Times. I don't know why I'm on the Irish Times. Uh, check out the Irish Times, folks. It might be great. I don't, I don't know. Uh, horror works most effectively in concentrated, intense burst. I didn't read that right. Didn't sound right. Horror works most effectively in concentrated, intense burst, which is why the most. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go home. I'm already home. Fuck. <laughs> you ain't got no place to go. I'm gonna go on the other side of home. Horror. You know what? Fuck it. We're not reading. I'm not reading the intro. Fuck the intro. I think everybody who is listening knows what makes a good horror story at this point. Yeah, it's got the word forbidden seller though. I like that. I'm just gonna jump into this list. It's the top ten. But these have no numbers. You know how I feel about non-list form things. You know how I feel about non-list lists. It's, yeah, like, it's what is it then? Why is it a list without the list? It's got to be it's, numbered. It's a chart then, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So we'll just 10. I'm going to say 10. I'm going to make a number because it's easier to transition. We're saying that we're going down. Yeah, we're descending. So number 10, Robert A. Oh, they got the fucking name of the author before the title too. I hate Ireland. What are you doing? Watch the Irish Times not be even Irish. Mm. They might be, like, set in Boston. Boston. So, number 10, Into the Woods by Robert Aikman, 1968. Margaret Sawyer, the wife of a prosperous Manchester building contractor, is bored and unsatisfied with her life. She travels to Sweden on a business trip with her husband, where she finds herself staying overnight at the Curris, a sanatorium for insomniacs, some of whom have not slept for years. There's a young girl who has never slept in her life. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Insomniac. <laughs> so enthusiastic. Yeah. That's it. That'd be terrible. <laughs> Insomniac, she is told, are unearthly and mysterious and often seem to acquire foresight. They are like trolls, like lost souls, like witches, like vampires. Sleepers cannot live with them for long and drive them out. And so they find themselves in the Curhis, where they wander the labyrinth of pass in the wood all night. Why is it just a pass in the woods instead of woods? Pass, pass in the woods. This is horror for the... Con- you know, I'm going to read that again. I'll fucking fix it. So we got to fix these things. Yeah, well. And so they find themselves in the Curhis, where they wander the labyrinth of the pass in the woods all night. This is horror for the connoisseur. Aikman was a magnificent writer of the short fiction at its most unsettling and uncanny. In the Freudian sense of not being at home with oneself, caught in the right mood, his stories are unforgettable. Faber recently did the world the inestimable. I'm not gonna read that part. <laughs> I can't. Inestimable. Fuck. Faber brought the work back into print. Um, you know what I was thinking at the beginning of that before you completely and utterly destroyed that whole whatever that was you were reading <laughs> is uh how strong the trope of like for horror movies is like somebody's bored. And tired of their mundane life. And they're like, I'm gonna go live it up and just stab, murder, stab. Like, that's what you get. You should just stick with, you know, with normal, boring shit and you live. Just be bored all day? And yeah. You won't get stabbed and murdered? Yeah, you still be alive. Don't investigate a house of uh, insomniacs? No. That's like, reminds me of the Russian sleep experiment where apparently they gave them a dr- these prisoners a drug so they couldn't sleep. 
um, and weird shit starts happening. That insomniac thing has always touched people in always a horror sense. It's never like, you know, oh, man, he's not sleeping. And then maybe like a weird fantasy story unravels. No, it's always like a horror story. By the way, Spencer, just so you know, I'm going to edit all my fuck ups out. So when you're like, oh, before you botch that whole people are going to think you're a jerk. Just making fun of my reading. (laughs) They're like, oh, why is he making fun of his reading? He went through that perfectly clear. (laughs) Like, no, I did not, folks. Uh, On the playback, yes, it sounds like I didn't fuck up so much. But I fucked that paragraph up royally. You're actually gonna go and edit. You're gonna add things in there. It's gonna mm. like it's just gonna be like and says and then the word. <laughs> <laughs> Faber had the hard task of writing. You just get you go in the old Google and ask the how pronounce this word and just have it up to the mic. By the way, this article. It doesn't say author and then have a name. It just at the top just says Daryl Jones and shows a picture of a skeleton so i don't know if daryl jones wrote this article <laughs> daryl jones doesn't sound very irish to me though <laughs> like who the fuck is daryl jones maybe he maybe took the picture hey daryl jones did you maybe, write this article let us that's know that's a skeleton maybe dear. this is uh from halloween day 2018 was when it was updated it doesn't say the original publishing date they're professional Irish times i'm gonna see if they'll take me on as a freelancer Found a freelance gig I almost did, and then I did some research, and I was like, nah. no. Too much work for, uh... Not enough pay? No, the pay was good. It's because they were hiring for every two weeks, you write one article and get 300 bucks. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm not going to name the publication, but they model themselves after the New Yorker and the Atlantic, but it's an East Asian publication. And I looked up their numbers, and they don't got any like, fucking viewers and readers. Like, So why are you... I mean, I guess it'd be cool to have the pay, but what's the point if nobody's going to be reading my article, you know? Yeah. And then what are they making you write about? Just whatever you want. Oh, okay. But a lot of it seemed like very, like, far-right conservative talking points. Like, you know, eh, vaxxers are gay. I'm like, whoa. Vaccines make you gay, huh? It doesn't seem very, uh, bec- what, do they, what do they call themselves? The, uh, you know, this will make you sick. The intellectual brothel or the brothel of intellectuals or something. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, so I guess it's a whorehouse for intellectuals. I don't, I don't know what they're getting at. Yeah, steer clear of that, Spencer. Don't, don't try to write for him. I might still try to write for him. Three hundred bucks every two weeks, not too bad. You right? Just for fucking one shitty article here and there. Do do it underneath the pen name and yeah, yeah. I could be uh no, I'm not going to the pen name. <laughs> I like, I like the my name's Hugh Cox. <laughs> Number nine, Mister Arcularis. By Conrad Aiken in 1931. I don't like the name of that. A middle-aged Harvard professor... I shouldn't have been drinking fucking coffee. Gives me the gummy mouth. (laughs) That's the the problem. It is the coffee. Gives me all fucking... Watch it down with some surge and you'll be fine. I always start grinding my teeth when I think of the surge. I don't like it. A middle-aged Harvard professor, recovering from surgery, takes a voyage to Europe on a ship which, he learns, is also carrying a corpse home to Ireland. The ship is fog-bound, surrounded by icebergs. Does it, that, that doesn't sound like a full sentence to me. <laughs> what are you doing, Daryl Jones? The ship is fog-bound, surrounded by icebergs. Mr. Arcularis begins to dream that he is walking through the stars and starts sleepwalking. Again, not like a full... Did Cormac McCarthy write this? Because <laughs> like, all his sentences don't seem like sentences either. This is exactly how that reads. Mr. Arcularis begins to dream that he is walking through the stars and starts sleepwalking. He is constantly cold. On board the ship, he meets people who remind him of other people. 
A traveling companion who looks like a woman he met at the hospital. A doctor who looks like his father. He encounters a... Ch- I don't... It's just weird, like... A lot's going on Yeah, there. you don't have it on your screen, because if you... No, it's just like... The sentence is cut off so abruptly. Like, it's just... He encounters a chess-playing clergyman. He keeps hearing the same piece of music over and over again. Con- like, why would he just be... He encounters a chess-playing clergyman and keeps hearing the same piece of music. Like, there's no conjoining... Like... Any, there's just one sentence, one sentence, one sentence. That has like three words in it. It's fucking bizarre. I'm sorry, folks. I'm just, I'm having a problem today. Uh, but yeah, this is exactly how the fucking Cormac, I'm starting Blood Meridian today, by the way, folks. And uh, the first fucking couple pages there, I'm just like, oh, I forgot how he writes. You have to get back into my certain mindset, it, it seems yeah. like. Just like one really long sentence followed by three just random sentences. Like, eh, it's fucking nonsense. Conrad Aiken's dazzling literary story is in the tradition of metaphysical sea stories from Poe to Melville to Conrad Aiken. From Poe to, po to Melville to Conrad. Are you talking about Conrad Aiken or are you talking about fucking Joseph Conrad? I don't know. It's just Conrad. No, because he says Conrad Aiken's da- dazzling literary story is in a tradition of metaphysical sea stories from Poe to Melvin- Melville to Conrad. Now, the guy's name's Conrad. Yeah. But I think he's talking about Joseph Conrad because it's the writing style. Why wouldn't you just? Why wouldn't you say Joseph? You can't. I just like how you just try to get through the meta, that metaphysical word just as quick as possible, like without. It. <laughs> well, it's not the metaphysical word that gets me; it's the fact that sea stories is right after it, so it's metaphysical sea stories. <laughs> I almost feel like this should be a DBS episode because it's going poorly. Anyway, Aiken was a distinguished poet and a friend of T.S. Eliot, with whom he shares a modernist sense of contemporary humanity as the walking dead. <laughs> Profoundly frightening, especially for middle-aged professors, and unbearably sad. Now, that didn't seem like that made too much sense to me, because I was reading it and I was all fucked up. Did that make sense to you while you were listening to me read that? Like, Not particularly, no. I'll try to do better with this one. This will be number eight. Branch line to Bensonton, my Sir Andrew Caldecott. <laughs> This sounds like a great start. <laughs> These fucked up names. Maybe this is why we never did this. <laughs> Maybe. This was written in 1947. Bensonton? Branch line to Bensonton. B-E-N-C-E-S-T-O-N. Fucking terrible name for a story. Pro tip, folks. Try to have story titles that people can pronounce. It helps. Or if you're going to use a setting for a story, make it one that doesn't sound fucking dumb. Like, you wouldn't have, like... Worcestershire as a setting for a story because that would be like people would try to read it and they'd be like Worcestershire and I only know it's kind of pronounced Worcestershire I don't still don't think it's Chester I think it's Sestershire I know the Shaw because I heard a British guy say it you're supposed to be Shaw because if it's Shire but if you have a bunch of shit before Shire it's Shaw because that makes fucking sense but yeah you you guys pronounce it fucking Kerb but you spell it K-E-R-B the right way, but then you say Nike. I don't know. A London music publisher travels by train to a non-existent seaside resort called Bensonston. <sighs> I don't want to do this anymore. I want to just fucking lie down. This sucks. This is terrible. I hate it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> we can always bail on the episode. I'm about to. Dude, Ma- we're close to half an hour. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read this as fast as possible. Uh, Stick around, folks. You're not going to want to miss this. A London music publisher travels by train to a non-existent seaside resort called Bensonton, where he kills his hated business partner and is found guilty of murder. (laughs) 
Back at home with his friends, he awaits the appointed hour of his execution and what he thinks is an alternate reality. I, I find that kind of kills the horror thing when you say Moida. Andrew Caldecott took to writing fiction late in life. After retiring from the colonial service, he was governor of Hong Kong and then of the Ceylon something or other in the 1930s and 1940s. I find a lot of uh, writers, especially like horror writers and stuff, were like in the army or in the military. Even now, like a lot of people that submit to us were military guys who later in life decided to start writing. Well, I mean, especially with the horror stuff, they probably take a lot of the stuff that they went through right. and use that, even if it's not, like, in a war setting, but, you know, you have those, like, I mean, where else are you gonna grapple with fear and things like that, other than on, like, a battlefield, like, you know what I mean? They probably yeah. have a really good understanding and grasps of, like, that scenario and how to to present that to right. the reader. Plus, like, just, like, the emotions you're going to feel yeah. and things like that. What's striking about Branch Line to Bensonton is not just its uncanny sense of the possibility of living two different lives in two different realities at the same time, but also its contemporary post-war setting of city commuters in Greenbelt suburbanization. Oh, could it be that what's really terrifying here is not the unreal Branch Line, but the real Main Line? Whose commuters all take the same train every day for the rest of their lives? I lost some energy on that. <laughs> you beat it out there towards the end. I don't remember what my count is either, so... I think... Seven? No, I think that was seven. I, you know what? Fuck it. No more numbers. Next up. Next! <laughs> his Beautiful Hands, written in 1931 by one Oscar Cook. Mr. A, a celebrated concert violinist, is irresistibly drawn to a Paulina. A Javanese manicurist... <laughs> what the fuck's a Javanese manicurist? What does that mean? What are these words on this fucking thing well when when was this one written 1931 so maybe like uh well manicures it's, it's, weren't as big of a i don't know but it's capitalized so javanus is a country of origin i would think the humble home of javas maybe javanians javawakis the javanese unless it's just japanese but mispronounced or misspelled i don't know so anyway uh he's irresistibly drawn to paulina a javanese manicurist who cares for his fingers like no one else it's weird didn't know guys were getting their fingers done in the 30s. Paulina becomes his lover and gets pregnant. One by one, Mr. A's fingers start to get infected. Oh, that fucking bitch did a bad job. Then they start to rot. Ooh. Then they fall off. Oscar Cook was a kind of pulp Conrad. You, again, which Conrad are we talking about? Are we talking about Conrad Aiken or are we talking about Joseph Conrad? Oh, be more specific. Fucking Daryl. <laughs> So anyway, he was a pulp Conrad using his decade running a large chunk of Borneo as the basis for a series of memorably gruesome and ghoulish tales of colonial horror, generally featuring cannibalism, sexual revenge, or unspeakable rites. This is a seriously nasty and perverse little number. You'll feel like washing your hands afterwards, but maybe it's best not to because he's the finger rotting. Yeah. Uh, I think he is talking about Joseph Conrad in all these instances because colonialism and uh... What, this guy, fucking Daryl Jones, got a thing for Joseph Conrad, I guess. He likes all the Conrads. He likes all the Conrads. On to The Phantom Coach, 1864 by... At least that one kind of sounds like a horror story. It does, and it was written in the 1800s. By Amelia B. Edwards, a lady writer from the 1800s. Now, that's an interesting twist. A honeymooning lawyer out walking on the Yorkshire moors gets lost in a snowstorm and takes refuge in the house of a reclusive scholar. 
As he is shown the way to the post road, he hears the tragic story of a mail coach accident nine years previously in which all six people on board were killed. Out of the night, he sees a mail coach coming. Edward's classic ghost story is a staple of anthologies, one of the best of a great tradition of Victorian women's ghost stories. But what lingers in the mind here is not the phantom coach itself. We could all see that coming. I mean, I did just yeah. reading that. But the recluse, a white-maned magus living alone on the moors, whose walls are covered in occult symbols, and who seems to summon up the story's supernatural apparition. Moving on to the specialty of the house, 1948, by Stanley Ellen. A businessman takes a colleague to Shiro's. Oh, that's not right. What? How do you pronounce S-B-I-R-R-O? <laughs> Shibabu? A businessman takes a colleague to Sabiro's, the restaurant without pretensions, where the clientele is very select and the food irresistible. The house specialty, lamb artisan, fuck that up, is rarely served, but is the most delicious meal ever created. Is it human meat? Mm. Or is it raccoon meat? Because raccoon meat is lousy with parasites. Mm. This is the best story ever published in Herbert Van Thal's long-running Pan Book of Horror Story series and was brilliantly filmed in 1959 for Alfred Hitchcock Presents with Robert Morley as the hapless diner. I'm thinking it's human meat. Well, yeah. That's probably what it is. Next up from 1910, August Heat by W.F. Harvey. I've never heard of any of these authors. No. Or stories. Or the stories. On a stifling day, an artist draws a picture of a man on trial. He goes for a walk and finds himself at the workplace of a monumental mason. The mason has the face of the man on trial, and he's working on a gravestone with the artist's name on it. Is there anything scarier than precognition? The uncanny sense of being haunted by the future, or that you have ever been here before. Harvey's startling little masterpiece is the best story of its kind. I never read the word precognition or said it out loud while reading it. Didn't quite nail it, but I mm. got it. We knew what you were saying. We Compared to the rest of the, the, yeah, the bag of you do it, that was fine. And you drink more coffee. Shut up, Spencer. From 1955, The Tower by Marganita Lasky. Driving through Italy, a woman happens upon the Tower of Sacrifice. I like that name. Yeah. A high tower standing alone outside of Florence. I hope there's just a huge sign. Tower of Sacrifice. <laughs> I wonder what they do there. <clears throat> I wonder if they have tours. Built by a renaissance Satanist. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I fucking skipped a word. Anyway, so high tower standing alone outside Florence, built by a renaissance Satanist. Rather against her better judgment, she stops the car and decides to climb the tower. I'm never reading the Irish Times again, by the way. <laughs> Lasky was a brilliant chain-smoking journalist, intellectual biographer and lexicographer. Fuck. Who <laughs> somehow found time to write fiction. I'm not even fixing any of these anymore. Who somehow found time to write fiction as well. Best not to say too much about the towers. The pleasure's all in the reading. It's a strong contender for the scariest story ever and uh, But never heard about it yeah. ever. Best not to say too much about the tower. Mm -hmm. The pleasure's in the reading. <laughs> the fuck? Of course it is. Of course it is. Why would I be reading this article if I didn't want to read the stories? I don't want to read any of these stories. The fucking article's pissing me off. Now you got Nitro riled up. <laughs> I got Nitro riled up. Got him riled up. Now, this one does sound cool. From 1964, The Little Girl Eater by M.S. Waddell. These people got weird names, too. A man is trapped by a falling girder under a pier on a beach. That's most unfortunate. 
The Maybe tide is coming happens. in even more unfortunate. And he has to take a poo. Oh, he sees a little girl who goes for help, but her mother's lover tells her that this is the little girl eater who lives under the pier. What a fucking dick. <laughs> hey, mom, dad. Fake dad. Mom, Roy, there's a guy <laughs> under the pier. He's stuck. Something's like he's going to die. Oh, that's just a molester. Don't go near him. He's going to eat you out. Don't fucking go near that guy. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know? I don't think that's what they were going for. It's not like a fucking gross pedophile? I think it was Monster? more of the actual eating her as like, uh, you know, skin off bones, not... I don't know. This was written in the 60s. A lot of people did acid, so... Anyway, uh, this seriously mean-spirited, unpleasant tale is a bit of a curio. It's cr- What'd you say what's, curious? What's, what's a curio? <laughs> is that like... So, is that, like is a that, curiosity? What are they gonna say? Is that like... <laughs> is that like a, a cereal that the fucking Riddler put out or something? <laughs> Curios. <laughs> I was gonna say the question, but I didn't think anybody would know who that was. It's... <laughs> true. It's credited to Septimus Dale, but seems to have been written by the Belfast children's writer Martin Waddell, who borrowed the pseudonym from a character in Leslie Char... This is not pertinent information, what we need. So it's one of the nastiest stories ever written. It's sensational. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that the guy under the pier turns out to be the child eater. Yeah. And he eats the little girl's head. What would be the real fucked up thing is that he wasn't. He was just a normal guy. That's probably what it is. He just died because, you know... People suck. People suck. One say, how do you get trapped under a girder though? Yeah, I mean, if a girder falls on you, wouldn't you be dead anyway? Fair point. Well, I guess it could just crush your legs. Oh, there's fucking more. How many? Uh, one. Oh, just one. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> Whoosh. From 1910, afterward by Edith Wharton, an American couple moves into a grandly dilapidated Dorset house that is haunted by a ghost, which they are told you only recognize as one long after the fact. Edith Wharton is by far the best-known, most straightforwardly canonical writer on this list. But like Henry James, with whom she is often associated, she was drawn to the ghost story, as well as to tales of American cultural encounters with Europe. Afterward, is both... I'm boring my fucking self reading this. I'm not reading anymore. I'm done. Fuck you, Irish Times. Daryl Jones, you suck. Uh, a little bit... Uh, we'll change the topic a little bit. Uh, we're done with this now. We're done with the list. I'm mad about it. We're done with the list. I'm about halfway through Norman Donald's book that you let me borrow. Not a memoir, yes. Not a memoir. Really good. I'm liking like it. it yeah. I think it's taking me a little bit longer because as I'm reading it, I'm trying to read it as like Norman no, Donald in my head. So like, yeah. even though that there's one period, I'm like, I'm trying to wait real long in between. <laughs> like, I was saying like, he had to do like an audible yeah, a, a lot of people listen to the Audible, and apparently it's really good. I almost I was, was like, say, maybe at some point I'll get the Audible oh, version. Oh, yeah, that would... I, I Reading this whole thing, I was like, this is good, but this is probably great as an Audible book. Yeah, that's but, what a lot of people in the uh, reviews were saying. I was like, that's one of the few Audible books I would actually really like to, to listen to. And I thought I was getting... like I thought I was... Because, uh, yeah, folks, if you don't know, you might not know a lot of stuff in this... In this, not a memoir, maybe not, not really, so real, <laughs> not so real. And I, and I was getting to the point where I, where I thought I could like uh, figure out what was real and what wasn't real. No, but now I'm getting to the point where like I don't think any of it is true. <laughs> it's so hard to say. I don't even think Norm Macdonald was born <laughs> at this point. Like, uh, I thought that was a great book. 
Uh, folks, I'm sure. Sorry, this turned out to be a DBS episode because this is a fucking real dud. We tried. We tried on this one. Nah, not really, but I just felt like the Irish Times let me down. The guy used too many like fucking adverbs and stuff. Yeah, he, like, did, he did. If we're gonna let's let's take a like a critical eye to this article. So if anybody else you know listening. Don't do articles like this. He had a lot of information that didn't pertain to the actual story that w- that he was talking about. I would say most of these, and he almost talked about the author more than the story. Yeah. Like the story got a couple sentences, and the author got the rest of the paragraph. Yeah, these are authors I don't know, so that's fine. Maybe have two paragraphs, one yeah. about the, the author, author, one about the fucking story. And, um, it's, and it seemed like he would jump from either telling you nothing about the story or telling you the whole story. Within yeah. the thing. It's like, okay, well, at this point, why do I read it? Well, another problem with things like articles like this, uh, another fun writing tip, it's probably best not to write an article, say, top 10 scariest, you know, not just scary yeah. stories, scariest story. I would have named that something like stories you never heard of. Yeah. Like, oh, top scariest stories you never heard of, but Anyway, if you're going to do a top 10 scariest stories, maybe read the stories. This person clearly didn't read these stories because yeah. there was no elaboration on any of the things. Now, I mean, you don't have to, but if you're going to give a list of something like that, it's going to give it a personal touch if you've actually read the stories in Especially question. Especially when they're, um, my, you know, not anything against these authors, but like lesser known yeah. or maybe not as popular. It'd be like one thing you'd be like, it, and you may not have ever read it, but you know, yeah, you, you can, know about it or whatever. You know, you know not enough about it to what But you nobody could knows these about. stories, so it's like, yeah, this would, uh, you know, probably read some of these. Like when we did the top horror manga stories not too long ago. Like, the girl who wrote that, you could tell she... Well, she did, because she personally reviewed after yeah. the thing each one. Like, she actually read them, and she was passionate about it. I think that's just the best way to go. But obviously, if you're not, you know, maybe this guy was just assigned the story, yeah. you know, the thing. Just, just basically, like, it fucking... might have been uh, 2008, so it might have been one of this dude's first, uh, first articles or something, so... Hopefully he... 2018. Yeah, so hopefully so, yeah. if he is uh, still writing articles uh, that... They are, you know, that he has improved as I'm sure if you whenever you go to look at any of our first articles, they are terrible. Yeah, um, probably not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I'm sure you I think probably... every one of my articles is amazing. Yeah, well, like I think I'm I'm, I'm literally the best. But just I, I think what mainly killed it for me is it's not just that he had so many adverbs in the in those little paragraphs It's that he use like these big adverbs like refutedly or like just like shits is like why that's it's not necessary like one of them i literally fucking threw me off the whole sentence because it was like a fucking word i'd never read before and i was like why is this even in here now i'm just trying to think of what this means words that i would assume when you especially looking and looking it on your cell phone take up the whole one line on your cell phone like that's one word too big too fucking big bro yeah, what's, what's an example? What was the one I said? Like, metaphysically sea stories? Let's just say sea stories. Why yeah. the fuck do we have to have, like... I, I don't know. I just... I just That was one of the worst articles I've read in a long time. Uh, and that's been on my phone for so long. I was excited to read those. I don't think that's the one... I brought up one article that... Because I wanted us before when we didn't know we were going to read for Halloween. I thought, oh, maybe we'll do some of these short stories. No, it was that article. So that that's just fucking trash. Garbage. Don't have to worry about reading those now. Yeah, um, I don't know how you could overwrite and underwrite an article like that. Like, mm-hmm. all at the same time. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a, uh, a skill set of, a, of yeah. its own. Your word choices 
you're too extravagant, and you're. And that's how I use the word extravagant. Yeah. I'm, I'm a witty, smart yeah. guy. And then you're the, a wordsmith. So. You, you know, so the word choice is too extravagant. The actual uh, meat of the of the fucking article. Bare bone description. Bare bones. Um, don't fluff up your work. Lack Just, luster. I, I think he who's trying to get away with uh, you know, spicing up the work with all these fucking adjectives and then not actually having any substance. Maybe he's getting paid by the word, so that's why he kept on trying to throw all those things yeah. in there. You know what he is? He's Hulk Hogan throwing those bullshit punches that don't connect. And then he, like, he always punches his fucking left hand. Yeah. It's garbage. It looks like extra fancy because he throws these big meaty hands, but it's literally one of the worst fucking punches in wrestling. Uh, same with the leg drop. It's like, it's all the hulking up that gets you into it. If you if you just do a leg drop, but you're not hulking up, nobody's going to give a fuck, you know? Oh, um, anyway, folks, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you can still get some Halloween stories into us, poems as well. I forgot about those. I keep forgetting to mention those, poems. but we only got like one poem submission so far because I kind of put that in the back burner, but usually we get a bunch of those and I actually like reading those because they're faster and, you know, usually they're pretty good. Like yeah. Halloween poems are fun. I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan, so I'm a, True. I like me a good yeah. horror poem, you know? Uh, but anyway, um, you can reach us at thedrunkpenwriting.com. We have the guidelines on there, contact page, all that fun stuff. You can hit us up on Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing, Facebook and Instagram, Drunk in Pen Writing. Uh, Spencer's OnlyFans this week is the Beijing Banshee. Oh. Do you think people ever look these up and then they <laughs> just find like someone that exists and they subscribe <laughs> to be, it? That'd be awesome. Like the Beijing Banshee's just like this fucking weird like Chinese lady who just screams in Mandarin while she's naked. I've, I don't know. I feel like we should get a kickback then. Just screams into other men's buttholes like, or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, check us out next week. I'm sure the or <laughs> the podcast will be better then. <laughs> I'll make sure not to have a book. By the way, folks, if you're wondering, I do prepare for these sometimes. Today I did not because I was actually doing work for our collection and stuff as Spencer got here. Uh, I've been very busy lately, so podcast sucks because of that. So be it! You don't pay for it! <laughs> Fucking jerks! But you could give us money. Or at least support Spencer's OnlyFans. Because he needs yeah, it. Yeah, I need it, man. He's I been wearing it. the same pants for a while now. I'm talking about underpants. Yeah. And they got holes in them. It's basically almost one big hole. Yeah, you're just... I mean, you don't got to pull them down when you go to the bathroom no, it's, it's basically <laughs> just the, the strap around the yeah. waist. I don't know. I just keep it on. I don't know why I don't take it off. And even worse, it's like very loose, too. Yeah. <laughs>